Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Ugh, another pointless video call where nothing gets done. I think you're on mute, David. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. What did I miss? IT just approved Miro for the whole company. Miro? That's the... Online whiteboard. For team collaboration. We can make these long video meetings so much shorter with Miro boards. We can share ideas, feedback, and updates on them whenever. Actually see what we're talking about. It's all online. Miro will make our flexible work setup so much easier. With one virtual space for our brainstorms, projects, presentations. Oh, that sounds kind of amazing. So I don't need to wake up for 6 a.m. calls with the London office anymore. Now you're getting it. Don't let time zones get in the way of your team working well together. See why 99% of the Fortune 100 trust Miro to get good work done from anywhere. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Hey, everyone. This is John Rocco, one-third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new spoiler review episode of Hawkeye from the Geek Buddies. What's up, bro? Anyway, we are going to be driving. Hey, bro. What's up, bro? bro. (laughs) The Geek Buddies, bro. bro? This is Geek Buddies, bro. Buddies, bro. It's the Golden Buddies, bro. Um, we are we are going to be breaking down the first two episodes of Hawkeye. We're going to try to keep this episode to about an hour. Now, those of you who've watched our uh, breakdowns, our preview, or sorry, our spoiler reviews before, you guys know we kind of go beat by beat by beat. Well, that's not the case this time around. We're a little bit late, and also it was Thanksgiving Day weekend, and we had uh, Michael getting the booster shot, then Shannon got the booster shot, and I'm getting the booster shot tomorrow, so I got my handy-dandy electrolytes helping me to stay alive today before I get it. So we had a lot of stuff that was uh, coming in the way of us getting it done. So we are just here to talk about it for an hour, go back and forth, and see what we feel about the overall start to this Hawkeye series. Uh, but before we do that, uh, let's introduce ourselves first and then talk about our sponsor. I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies and the Outlaw Nation. Mike? I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Jan? And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Silicon Valley, and Modern Family. <laughs> and we want to thank Carbon Health, our, spa- our sponsors for the Geek Buddies and for the Outlaw Nation here. They're a leading national health care provider with a mission to bring high-quality health care to everyone. They have urgent care, primary care. They even have virtual care. They have 90 clinics in 14 states, and they offer virtual care in 24 states. Their brand promise is everyone deserves good health for sure. And they believe this because healthy people create strong communities and flourishing societies. And they their mission is to make high-quality health care accessible for everyone. Gentlemen, you've both been, get, like I said, just got your shots. I'm about to get mine. Taking care of yourself is super important right now in our lives, no matter what's going on, especially as we hear about a new variant coming through the world, the Transformer Omicron. So what do you guys think? 
Uh, listen, I mean, obviously COVID is a reason to stay healthy, but let's just stay healthy in general. There's a lot of reasons. We want to stay around for a long time. I don't know how many phases the Marvel Universe is going to have, but <laughs> if it's going into the double digits, I want to stay healthy. I want to see them all. I want to, I want to make this, I'm, I'm going to ride this out as long as I can. And yeah. that is all about living a healthy lifestyle so that I can stay as geeky as I want to be well into my 80s, 90s, 100s. And I'm hoping like 122. Wow. What? Wow. 122. All right, respect, Shannon. Yeah, uh, look, I mean, wh- while while we were shut indoors during the quarantine, I know I never got sick because I was never, <laughs> I was never around people. I was yeah. never outside. Now that it's back, life is getting back to normal. Um, you have to take extra good care of yourself, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the one of the ways to do that is just uh, staying healthy, exercising, eating right. And getting a good night's sleep, which I did not get last night because the COVID booster kept me up. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm dreading tomorrow <laughs> night. But uh, but uh, uh, Carbon Health uh, believes that each person has a unique health journey, and they want to meet them with high-quality, personalized, and accessible care wherever they are. So, fine. Go over to CarbonHealth.com and see if, the, if, there's, if there's a clinic in your area, if you need anything, or if you want to do some virtual care, if they do virtual care in your state they've got a lot of locations so go and visit them and help them out all right or help yourself out really all right let's get into uh, this review here for hawkeye spoiler review we're doing the first episode never meet your heroes and the second episode hide and seek so much happening here the introduction of kate bishop clinton barton back hanging out with his family there at christmas we get rogers the musical we get the track soup mafia we get echo and we get a little more with eleanor bishop jack duquesne the swordsman's a part of this the great Simon Callow deigns us with, uh, you know, uh, gives us a, a little bit of his presence. So much happening throughout the first two episodes here. Mike, I go to you first here. Overall, what's your feeling as we start this new Disney Plus series? And, oh, we only have four episodes left after we talk about these two. What do you think? Oh, man, these six episodes, it's like, it's such a, it's amazing that we get sort of basically an extended movie. And then mm. it's also so sad because as soon as it starts, you're like, we're almost done. Like, oh, <laughs> There's so many things I want to see. Um, it's been great. I mean, it really delivered on the promise of the trailer, which is this is a Marvel movie in New York City at Christmas. And yeah. just the music, uh, the, the set design, the locations, everything, like it fully delivers on that. It's really, really great. And look, I think that an entire show, obviously, as we said, and you just said, like it's based on the Matt, Matt Fraction comic, which yeah. is a great Hawkeye comic, a great Kate Bishop comic. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, I think if these first two episodes are any indication, it's a really great show about how people deal with their heroes, how people mm. how people in a world of superheroes, how the, how the average person in a world of superheroes reacts to that. And everything from the introduction of Kate Bishop and why she is uh, as into Hawkeye as she is, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. Rogers the musical, to people dressed up in Times Square as superheroes, to Thanos is right written on a urinal, like to Hawkeye <laughs> going to Hawkeye going to the LARPing thing in Central Park. Like oh, they just hit so over weird. and over and over again this idea of the way that people, the average person in a world of superheroes reacts to superheroes and what that means to them. Mm-hmm. And having Hawkeye be at the center of that, who was one of the regular guys in a team full of superheroes, I think is just really, really interesting. And I think they're really mining it for a lot. Um, so I've loved that about it. I'm excited to see where things are going. I will get into it a little bit later, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that Wilson Fisk is my new Mephisto. So we're going to see how that goes. <laughs> but uh, but I'm really, really into it. And I'm excited to talk about more of it. No, no, I know and appreciate we've been on a text chain talking about this idea of Kingpin. I mean, there's four episodes left. Where is it going to show up? I don't know. There's already so much we got in the first two episodes. He's shown up already. They're talking about, well, we'll get to it. They're talking about him left and right. They are mentioning him without mentioning him. It's all over the place. Yeah, you're not going to, you're right, you're right, you're right. They are mentioning him without mentioning him, that's for sure. Shannon, what did you take away from these first two episodes? What's your overall feeling here? A little more street level approach to the MCU. We just were out in, you know, multiple realms of Loki and dealing with Kang and then WandaVision and Captain America and Winter Soldier, more of a global approach. This very street level, this is a section of New York. What was your feeling as you finished these two episodes? Yeah, I think you put it perfectly, John. I mean, for anyone missing sort of that street level superhero mm. vibe that we got from a lot of the Netflix series, um, this this is going to scratch that itch without being so heavy. I mean, there definitely is 
Um, the, the, the series is not without stakes, but there definitely is a lighter, more, uh, more comic approach. And mm-hmm. again, that's not, that's not a ding. Like, I think that's very in keeping with the tone of the MCU. Um, I think that, I think the dynamic between Jeremy Renner and uh, Haley Steinfeld is really, really great. I mean, mm. I really like watching this sort of burgeoning uh, mentorship and even watching Renner's relationship with his kids. Like, obviously, a parent yeah. loves all of their kids equally, but you see there's a special connection that he has with Lila. And we yeah. saw that in Endgame when he, when he when she gets a bullseye and he says, you know, good job, Hawkeye. Like, that's a line right out of, that's right out of the Matt Fraction run. Mm-hmm. Um, couple of little things that I was kind of like, ah, this is this didn't quite get there for me, um, mainly from the directing side. But overall, I'm I'm really, really, uh, really, really enjoying it. And again, this is this is something new that we haven't gotten from one of those Disney Plus series yet. The more street level, realistic, grounded series. And again, it's it's really funny. I mean, Haley Seinfeld, she's doing just tremendous work. And um, yes, I will. I will agree with Michael that um, I think the Kingpin is is lurking about, even if we don't see him um, for quite a while. But that's that's my guess. Yeah, I I I have a feeling. I don't know if we're going to. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Well, I mean, there's three. I mean, like we're going to get in. We can get into it. Uh, We're not going in order. So we can talk about it. But there are three (laughs) very, very specific things that are said in the Mm -hmm. two episodes uh, Armand Duquesne, when he's fighting with Kate Bishop's mom, says to her specifically, I have very powerful friends too. Yeah. And then the auctioneer, I mean, this is the big one, but when the auctioneer brings out the Ronin sword and the Ronin costume, <laughs> he's like, I think we all remember Roman, Roman, who decimated the criminal underworld, almost completely annihilating the status and power of the head of organized crime. Right. Not the heads of organized crime, not some broad thing, but very specifically the head of organized crime. Right. And then in episode two, when Clint is putting the Ronin costume in um, a locker and talking to Laura back home on the farm with the kids, mm-hmm. they're talking about the tracksuit mafia and she's like, oh, those idiots. And he's like, yeah, those idiots. I'm not sure how high this goes. I have to stay around a couple days. And if you read the Matt Fraction comic, you know that ultimately the tracksuit mafia is working for Wilson Fisk right. in that. So that, and then just Echo being there, period, because mm-hmm. Echo, uh, Maya Lopez, is so tied to Wilson Fisk story-wise. Right. Uh, it just, and again, like, I, I'm i so convinced that Wilson Fisk is showing up in this thing <laughs> that I am now checking myself because I was equally as convinced that Mephisto <laughs> was going to show up. And so I could 100% be wrong, but I yeah. do think that like signs are seriously pointing to, particularly saying that Ronan decimated the head of organized crime. I think that's very, very key in uh, that is going to be a thing, but we'll see. And uh, But to be fair, I mean, uh, well, and to add to your point, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio tweeted out um, something about the Hawkeye series, and he has not tweeted about any of the Disney Plus series at all in the past. So an interesting little connection here as well that possibly he's teasing that he might be showing or he's trolling. I mean, Henry Cavill has taken 45 pictures with a Superman costume and he has been back <laughs> to Superman. So who knows overall? But I, I you know, I, but I'm enjoying what we got already. If we get to Kingpin by the end, by the last episode, great but there's more to come from vera farmiga's character you know she has a villainous role to play in the comics so she's dirty yeah could could she be the head of organized crime it doesn't have to necessarily be fisk they're messing around with stuff here left and right i kind of feel like she's the one especially that interaction with her and armand at the party in the first episode like there's something more here playing out and her wearing the red dress i mean that's just that's just like you know it just seems like so obviously on the nose um, but I do want to, uh, sorry, go ahead. Any responses to that? Well, I was going to say she's, she's, yep. uh, Vera Farmiga's performance is one of the things that I'm not loving in the show thus far. And I mm. think that might be by design is she's a little too, she's a little too laissez-faire and a little yeah. too dismissive of what seems to be a threat. And that might be coming from a place of, of power that mm-hmm. she's just sort of like, meh, you know, I, I don't know what this guy's on about. Oh, it's, it's oh, we got to replace, a, you know, a, 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 an enormous bell tower. Mm-hmm. All right, like, I'm not happy about it, but but it's fine. Um, yeah, I definitely think if we see 
Wilson Fisk. If we yeah. see Kingpin, my guess is this, it will be a post-credit post credit sequence to the finale. I don't oh, think we're yeah. going to see him before that because there's just too, I think from right now, from my yeah. vantage point, yeah. there's just too much to pack in. Like we okay. haven't, yeah. we, we've got, we've barely met Echo. Mm -hmm. uh, Jack Duquesne is barely showing us thus far who he is, but we mm -hmm. all know where it's going. And also, you know, Yelena Belova, it's right. supposed to show up in some right. in some yeah. way. So there's a lot there's a lot to do here. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's swing over and take specifically the characters within um, the show. Let's start with Kate Bishop. She is this is essentially her show. Yes, it's Clint Barton. It's called Hawkeye, but this is the launch of Kate Bishop here and Haley Steinfeld into the MCU. They give her a lot to do in these first two episodes. It's not like the Mad Fraction run in that they already knew each other and there's already right. camaraderie and, and some some sarcasm and ball busting between them. This is more of a getting to know you type approach here. And we see she's initially, you know, she sees him when she's a, a young girl, sees him save her family, save New York and whatever. So she wants to be this archer. And we, we see through the David Aja inspired opening credits of her. That's essentially exposition explaining how she became this archer. But then eventually she does meet Hawkeye and she's at first very googly eyed and kind of blown away by it. And then eventually kind of is like, yo, you don't stash me. I'm not a bag of money. This is so already the rapport starts almost super quickly after the um, the initial meeting here. And we're into this uh, back and forth between them. Uh, Michael, how do you think how do you think Haley Steinfeld is sliding into the MCU and then sliding into the uh, the outfit of Kate Bishop here to do her work? In this character. I mean, I think she's nailing it. I looked to a mm. friend of mine and I was like, if they keep this up with their casting of like the young Avengers and the mm. younger heroes that are coming into the MCU, Marvel's got another decade easy. Like, cause if they, yeah, if point. they keep having these characters come in and I think she's really nailing it to your point, she is different. The Kate Bishop in the comics is a bit more self-assured, a bit yes. more a ball buster, a bit more confident. And I think wisely they're taking a step back and making her more of a fangirl a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and like I said, I think so much of this show is really about the perception of what a superhero is and how awesome it is. Like Rogers, the musical with them, you know, jumping around and singing about the attack on New York or even grills and the LARPing thing talking about oh. like, you get to be a superhero in real life. Yeah. And I think Haley Steinfeld is really big on the cool parts about being a superhero. And I think Hawkeye really does represent the, the trauma of being mm -hmm. a superhero, uh, both physically and emotionally and a lot of things. So I think the show's gonna deal with that a lot. And I think the way they introduce Kate Bishop is mm -hmm. so great in that, you know, Marvel does such a good job of, uh, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming kicked off with the aftermath of the attack on New York. And right. now Hawkeye kicks off with the attack on New York. And mm -hmm. we see that moment. And it's so specific that you you can, you know exactly the moment it is. It's when Hawkeye does the, uh, when he's not looking, shooting the arrow. That's the arrow yeah. that takes out that Shatari and that saves Kate Bishop's life. And so it's it's amazing how they keep using that specific moment and that major part that major that major moment in the mm -hmm. mcu's history to sort of spin all of these other characters out of things so i thought it was really yeah. smart and it really does set up why she is as obsessed as she is with hawkeye and why she has spent her entire life trying to be this person so yeah. right off the bat between that and the opening credits like you said you get who this character is you get what she's all about and then what Haley Steinfeld is bringing to it after that is just so much personality. Mm. Like, yeah, she doesn't like Kate, but like, like this Kate Bishop is someone who is legitimately a badass. Like she can do a lot of things that none of us can do, right. but she's really untrained and she's sloppy. And so every time we see her do stuff, they have her do something super, super cool, but it's almost immediately followed up with, ooh, she just whiffed that one. Yeah. And so it's great to see someone who's still figuring it out. And for the arc of this series, I think that's a lot more fun than seeing someone who is equally as badass to Clint right off the bat. Yeah, and from the opening uh, um, few minutes of the first episode, Shannon, we are shown that her father has uh, what we think is dead possibly killed during the uh but uh, i looked at imdb and uh, maybe he isn't so you, you see that here and you think okay well uh, you spoke about lila and uh, clint's connection with lila here is this are these patterns that he's repeating or you see him repeating here with kate bishop she doesn't have a father figure is he going to slide in and be kind of the pseudo father figure and how is Haley steinfeld going to play that out as kate bishop and Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye in building this relationship that will have shades of Mad Fraction, the run, but it's also, but its own kind of approach to their relationship. How do you think Haley's handling this? 
Well, I mean, as Vogel said, getting to see the Battle of New York from a different perspective mm. is always interesting because you, one, get the um, the far-reaching consequences of what this did, but also it reinforces the loss of human life, which we don't mm -hmm. get into a ton. You don't really get into no. it until Civil War. But even though, like, I don't think Derek Bishop is dead, like, we know, we know <laughs> that the bishops are in some financial, some financial peril at the beginning. Yeah. We don't see a body. Um, but you get to see... Um, Again, just sort of the the effects that that mm -hmm. this one big event had on it, and I think the, those opening credits super smart to do it that way. Like we need to get across a lot of information that she has trained all of her life. She is a martial artist. She's an archer. Right. She's a fencer. And right off the bat, uh, Haley Steinfeld. I mean, she's one of those performers who makes it look so easy, mm. um, and it's not easy to make something look easy. Like she's just so effortless with everything that she does. Um, you know, you just you just like her, like you get the sense that, yeah, there there is a bit of a, a, an entitled rich kid to her. But you see all of this has spawned from a place of wanting to protect her family. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, I think she's just doing such a great job. And as Vogel said, you know, she she is so trained. This is someone who has trained their entire life, but has never played in the game. Yeah. So you get to see these moments of brilliance followed by the moment she relishes a little too long in doing something right <laughs> <laughs> that she then she then gets you know knocked knocked on her butt um yeah i i love what Haley seinfeld is doing i have enjoyed her since true grit yeah um and, and i'm excited to see where else it's going to go like i'm really excited to see her in an action sequence without the hood on um mm. I, i'm excited to see her with her bow yeah, I think that's a great point you both make, this idea that she is still... It's just like this is uh, uh, Kate Bishop year one. This is basically Kate Bishop year one, figuring it out. She has all the talent. She has all the abilities. The op you know, the opening uh, 20, 30 minutes, she's handing after the, she gets a little bit reamed for the uh, bell tower or clock tower, whatever that was. She also hands over the medal. She won yet again another medal as an archery. For, and then, of course, we get a little exposition that she won a black belt at 15, or she became black belt at 15 years old. So this is a quick learner. This is someone who is determined to be what she is, but doesn't have the experience. She's green. She has the ego. She has the desire. She has the oomph, but she's green. And so we see even in the second episode when she crashes through that skylight as he's wrapped. I mean, it's hilarious. He told her to stay put, but no, Kate's got a, this instinct. And you both bring up this great point. And Michael, I swing back to you. Like this idea that, okay, all these people in the first three phases of the MCU became heroes and then did what they had to do because of the responsibility. Now we're getting the second generation of heroes who have seen this as a now new normal and want to follow in these footsteps and are influenced by these heroes. What's that end result going to be? And as you pointed out, Michael, you have Kate Bishop who is seeing all the positives and you have the hang dog, you know, kind of uh, world weary and also uh, hearing affected um, uh, Hawkeye, who is showing the after effects, the PTSD effects of being a superhero and uh, all the things he's encountered. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a superhero universe. So ultimately, being a superhero is awesome. And all of these characters who are going to mm -hmm. rise up and become this next generation of superheroes are going to be awesome. And we're all going to love them. And they're going to save the world just like everybody else did. Yeah. But because the Marvel Cinematic Universe has, to some degree at least, a uh, consequence yeah. that we have lost heroes, that we have lost people, and that we get to see that, that you get to sort of play both sides of that. And I think that that's what they're building in this relationship. And that's what they're doing with Clint, which is really lovely. I mean, obviously, like, as you were saying, like the hearing yeah. loss thing, um, is really, really cool. Uh, it's, 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 it makes sense. I mean, it's yeah. very funny in the second episode when Haley Steinfeld, when, when she's like, when Kate Bishop is like, how did you lose your hearing? And we just see a bunch of quick yeah. cuts of the things that we've seen <laughs> in the first three phases of the MCU. And you're like, yeah, how the fuck is he still standing? Um, losing your hearing is you got, you got out easy jack um so but i mean so it's really funny but it's also realistic and i yeah. think particularly and obviously as shan said we know that yelena belova is coming into this but you know that he's still really dealing with the loss of nat like i thought the fact that they sort of introduced his hearing loss mm. in the exact same moment that he was watching the actress on stage at rogers the musical right playing natasha and that he watched that in sort of silence and then had to go outside like 
it was really like you're seeing that there's a physical toll to what he's been through and an emotional toll. Yeah. And and I think he's playing all that really, really nice. And he's balancing it out with being like this awesome family guy. Like, I think that the biggest difference, one of the biggest differences between Hawkeye in the movies and Hawkeye in the comics is yeah. that Hawkeye in the comics doesn't have a family. Like, this right. is a very movie-specific thing. And I think they're really using that to great advantage. I mean, like, I think that the fact that he does have this family that he cares about, that the fact that this whole show, the clock of this entire show is, mm. can I deal with all my superhero business and get home in time to be with my kids right. at Christmas? Um, it really is kind of putting the entire superhero universe very firmly on the ground. It's planting it and it's making it real. And I think that's really, really sweet. Yeah, he reveals in the first episode, six days until Christmas. That's how right. much time he has and whatever. Shannon, uh, going on Michael's point. Yeah, how is, I mean, is this nice? I mean, you're, you're the actor, Shannon. Do you love seeing Jeremy Renner getting to spread his wings a little bit more, getting to do a little bit more here in this, in these first two episodes, teasing more? I mean, that LARP scene is my favorite scene in the first two episodes, just because the way he plays it and the graciousness he shows in certain moments. But overall, there's... It's just just a, a kind of you see a kind of joy, even though he's a bit hangdog throughout these first two episodes that he's getting to show the Clint Barton that we never got to know because we never got an origin movie for Clint Barton. Clint Barton just handed to us. So what do you think about how he's doing here? Yes, I love seeing him in this uh, mentor role because it's something that he's never had to do in the films. He's mm. always been like we got a little Except bit of for Age one of Ultron. moment with Wandavision. Yeah, yeah, Age of Ultron. Sorry, yes, yes. Right, yeah, right, Age right. of Ultron. Yes. Yeah, you, you got a little bit of that with Wanda. Which, which then gets kind of reflected into uh, uh, Civil War and then a little bit into right. Endgame. But seeing him as sort of the primary, like we, we've never seen that before, and watching how he handles it, I love the real-world consequences of him being a superhero. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a great mirror when he says, we need to get provisions, and Kate is through the roof, like, all right, what are we doing? And they're going to get neosporin bandages yeah. <laughs> and Q-tips. I mean, it's it's very similar to the scene in Black Widow, where after that fight with Taskmaster, that uh, Yelena Belova makes the comment, like, I'm sure Thor doesn't have to take an ibuprofen after a fight. <laughs> like, you get to see the consequences of what this life, of what this life leads to. For human beings. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yep. exactly. Mike, you and I actually well, love what you, phase four is doing thus far because, hmm. you know, phase uh, phase phases one through three, it was the super soldier. It was the billionaire in the, the billion dollar suit. It was the God. It was the green monster. I mean, now we've got Sam Wilson, who does have his vibranium suit and the shield. But underneath that, suit, right. he is just a guy. We've got Yelena Belova, who is just a woman. And now we've got uh, now we've got Kate Bishop, who's another uh, non superpowered hero. Yeah. Yep. And Shang-Chi, who yep. is an amazing fighter and has those 10 rings, but like other than that, is a guy. Like it's yeah. it's definitely, I think that's case. I was just gonna say, uh, as far as like the Yelena Belova and Natasha after the Taskmaster fight, there's also a really beautiful parallel. And I don't know if it was fully intentional, because I think this probably happens in a lot of superhero stories, but mm -hmm. the way that Hawkeye patches up Kate Bishop when she does mm -hmm. it wrong in that second episode yeah. is almost right exactly the same as Natasha patching up Yelena mm -hmm. after they pick up all that stuff. Like there's a really nice moment between the two of them that is similar. And you just really, you know, anytime that you get that Natasha Clint connection, you know, we talked about it when we did the what if reviews, like mm -hmm. anytime that there was Natasha Clint stuff, like they've really made that work so well. Yeah. And even like, as funny as it was, like when when Hawkeye sees when he's in the bathroom, where mm -hmm. followed by the most awkward selfie request in the history of <laughs> selfie requests. But when he sees, but when he sees that Thanos was right, uh, yeah. scrawled on the urinal. I mean, you think about that, like Natasha, like sacrificed her entire life yeah. Yeah. to bring back everybody that was lost because of the snap and. For him to look at something that was like Thanos is right, right after he was watching Natasha on stage or the actress playing Natasha on stage in Rogers and Musical, like that's that that yeah. hits that hits deep. Like that's 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 rough. Right. And, and seeing the little girl in the audience dressed up as dressed up Natasha as Natasha as well. Yeah, just a kind of a one-two punch with the Thanos was right thing as well. That's a great point. I mean, you know, I talk about it. I defend the Thanos thing a little, a lot more than a little, but like a, that a lot, okay. get, get, a little, get out of here. <laughs> but that moment, that moment was, as Michael pointed out, you know, very much, very devastating moment for him to see that and experience that yet did all this. And some glib asshole was going to write that on the, on the urinal. It's like, Oh, you know, it must be so incredibly frustrating, but here we go. But he, I like what he's building. I like what he's creating. 
now we talk about a backstory. Let's talk about Jack Duquesne. Are we getting swordsman? Are we getting this backstory that he trained him, that they were friends, they had interacted? Yeah. I mean, like, would it be possible for him to lose track of Jack Duquesne in this in New York and have him just pop up? Is this going to play itself out? I don't, yeah, so like to, to like to anyone who doesn't know, like yeah. in the comics, Jack Duquesne, the character, is the swordsman who is a villain, occasionally hero, sort of an Avenger at one point. And now I think he's a plant person. Like comics are weird, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, one of the big parts. But one of the big parts of his origin is that he trained a young Hawkeye yes. in archery, yes. and so that's a big part of that. I would be surprised if we got that part of the backstory. Like, right, I, right. I, I that feels very sort of not. MCU Clint to me. Okay. And this version of Jack Duquesne is such a douche. Uh, and just, and also like age wise within the, within the, like it doesn't quite match up the way that yeah. you would think it would match up in the comics. Is he the swordsman? I mean, absolutely. I mean, Haley right. Seinfeld shows up at home and she's like, mom, what's with all the swords? Yeah. And in the second episode, when, uh, when Kate Bishop and, and Jack do their fencing match and have their fight, that is gr her anger and frustration that mm. he is clearly pulling his punches. And as someone who knows yeah. sword fighting, she can tell that he's pulling his punches. And then when she does that swipe and he parries it and is clearly an amazing swordsman, I mean, he's fighting somebody by that sixth episode. Like oh, he yeah. is, we are going to see early. him. Yeah. We are going to see him go to town with some swords, probably mm -hmm. that Ronin sword that he swiped at the auction. And, uh, and it's going to be fucking badass. Now I do think, I'm curious about this. Like one of the mysteries that is sort of at the center of the whole episode of the whole series is mm -hmm. who killed Armand Duquesne, right. who in the comics is uh, his father, but here right. is his sort of uncle, but uh, he's dead. He's dead by sword. And Jack shows up with the butterscotch from the house. Right. But basic whodunit says whoever is the obvious suspect in the first episode right. probably didn't do it. So I'm a little bit curious to see how this all goes down. Yeah, Shannon, do you think it was Armand the Seventh? Do you think it was a little kid just stabbed him with the sword? <laughs> I said I, mean, I wanted to go home. He, he it's a low, it's a low wound. I mean, it is on his lower back, so that that does match up size wise. Um, no, I definitely don't think it's. I definitely don't think it's Jack Duquesne. I mean, my yeah. my prediction right now is that Jack is just a. He is a lowly servant to whoever is actually pulling the strings. Interesting. Who, okay. I believe their initials are E B. Um, but uh, and, and I don't think I don't think the the monogrammed uh, butterscotch is quite the smoking gun that that we're led to believe. I'm like, well, that's his uncle. Yeah. I mean, if he likes butterscotch, he probably grabbed a handful. Right. Um, but I think Tony Dalton is doing oh. a wonderful job. Yeah. I mean, with, with just that character, that stash. I'm like, you yeah. could be the bad guy literally in any 80s movie i mean yeah. you could be the bully in in, in a, in a rom-com you could also uh you know be be some dictator that uh, stallone has to take down um but i definitely think that the, the swordsman <laughs> character uh it, he he's just he's doing a lot of fun he's doing a lot of fun stuff right now yeah but that scene in particular the fencing scene this is this gets to one of my gripes and okay. it oh, more has to do with the direction. All right. Um, I don't think, I don't think the action thus far is being filmed in the most effective way. I mean, a lot of okay. it is that Ronan scene when Kate puts on the outfit in the black market auction. I like, mm -hmm. I just, I'm like, I don't know if this is not great fight choreography or if they are just not editing or it's just not being shot. Right. I mean, I, I wanted to see Kate. I just wanted to see her uh, just be a, featured a little bit better and and that kind of bleeds into the fencing scene as well i think there's a way to um better communicate it to the audience that he he is pulling his punches and so when he does do that sort of no look parry that it's it's a little more effective um Huh. That, okay. That's 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 one of my that's one of my few gripes. But I, as someone I, who loves action, that's what really stuck out to me. I think that's accurate. I don't think that it's that. I don't think that that struck me as much as it struck you. But mm. I did. I, I did find myself a little bit want. You know, it's like for me, it's like I don't unless the action is directed really, really badly. Yeah. I don't really necnecessarily notice, but I do notice when it's really good. Like mm. the Russo brothers are great. Yeah. at action sequences. Uh, and so like, I remember when I saw Winter Soldier, just that very first 
fight uh, with Batroc yeah. on the on the boat, you were like, oh, this is this is good, and I do, and I don't get that feeling from this. So I, mm. I hear what you're saying. It probably doesn't bother me quite as much, but I don't disagree with you on it. Shannon coming for Reese Thomas, the director of these episodes. Okay, Reese, you're on notice <laughs> right now with Shannon McClung. I- I, he he's a comedy director. You don't always know where to put the camera. <laughs> I, my my gripe more with the uh, fight sequences, if we can talk about gripes, is more like how capable she already seems to be for someone who has little to no experience in a group fight that we know of. You know, she's not presented with any kind of. We haven't been handed out that she can actually fight six or seven of the tracksuit mafia guys with weapons and guns at the well, same time. It's a little too quick for me. I would have liked a little more stumbles as she figures out a little more lucky escapes and then she's kind of getting stronger as the series goes along. I mean, she's not, she's not doing too great. If we're well, really, I mean, she was she hanging was, in with six or seven of those guys got well, out of there. She was in close quarters and half her moves completely whiffed and failed. Mm. I mean, she tried to do the cool black widow, wrap my legs around your she did, head yeah. move, she got smashed. and the pipe broke like she's not doing great and then <laughs> when she is when she does run into the tracksuit mafia later on out yeah. in the open i mean if hawkeye didn't show up she'd be screwed oh, i mean she's she screwed. basically yeah. Yeah. she basically like does what she can and then tries to get away and gets in that locked car which is a horrible idea yeah. uh i mean i would probably do the same thing but not, not saying i'm any better <laughs> but uh but yeah so i think i think that they're they're very specifically not it's it's a it's a fine balance because you have to be able to see yeah that she is worthy of being Hawkeye like yes like like, like you and, yeah. and you have to you have to believe that Clint is gonna see it right. like you have to believe that Clint sees something special in her so we have to see her be good enough mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. then we also don't want to see her be too good and I think the fight scenes might get a little bit muddy but I think the the scene the scene that really nails that is when the tracksuit mafia shows up at her house yes and throws the bottles in. And, you know, Hawkeye's got the one bottle and he throws it out in that awesome badass move. And then the one tracksuit mafia guy holds up a bottle and an arrow knocks it right out of his hand. And Clint turns and sees it's her. And you're like, oh, she's badass. But she follows it up immediately by thinking she's going to put the fire out by shooting an arrow into the fire extinguisher, which does not go well at all. So I think (laughs) that uh, they do a pretty good job of, like, finding that balance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, and and also the tracksuit mafia may not be the most effective of foes. Like they are, they are not. <laughs> they are not. They are not trained fighters. They're throwing wild haymakers. Right, right. Um, I did. I mean, that moment. Like even though we saw it in the trailer, that moment where they throw a Molotov cocktail, Clint busts open the window, catches it, and tosses it back. That is one of the coolest moves, in my opinion, that we've seen in the MCU. And that's a great <laughs> way to show, which we haven't, we don't always, it gets overshadowed a lot in the movies because, again, you're 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 fighting amongst gods right. that Hawkeye is a legit badass. I mean, that moment right there solidifies the fact that even though he doesn't have a magical hammer, it can turn into a giant green monster, that he is a very effective fighter. Yeah. You're on fire, bro on your legs bro so let's let's those guys those let's guys. back to that mike take it away let's go back to that tracksuit mafia big part one of the favorite parts of the mad fraction run here introduced and put in put forward here frothy uh, being the one that's really going to stand out here is kazi at some point and maybe the clown do do we like the way tracksuit mafia was introduced here in these first two episodes i mean yes they are so funny <laughs> well they're great i mean you know like i think that so the way, and, and I do really like the way that they've taken the Matt Fraction comic and interwoven it with the MCU itself yeah. and kind of moved things around. Like the entire auction, that black market auction that we see at the beginning, right. there is a black market auction of superhero villains uh, and bad guys in the Matt Fraction run right. of Hawkeye, but it's completely different. I mean, the whole situation is different, but they took the idea of that mm-hmm. and brought that into this version of the story that they're telling and when we meet the tracksuit mafia, they're showing up and they don't give a shit about anything except this watch. Yeah. Which is, in addition to the death of Armand Duquesne, one of the other big mysteries going on here. Mm-hmm. Because they clearly want a watch that was at the Avengers compound. And we don't know why. And I yeah. think that what that is, I have some I have some theories on it. I have some wild okay. theories. I have some not wild theories. But I think that's really interesting. So we can come back to that. But to your point, as soon as the tracksuit mafia shows up and we see these guys and they're running around in their tracksuits and they are broing left and right, that's what everybody loved about the comics. And they're really kind of nailing that, um, particularly in the second episode. I mean, when Clint does the catch and, the catch and release, 
to mm-hmm. uh, to get caught by the tracksuit mafia, and they all show up like just so confident that they like caught Hawkeye, and they put that mask on his head, and he's like, "Guys, I can see through the mask." Like they are so, they are so confident, and they are so inept, and it is really, really a delight. I mean, yeah. they're they're a threat in sheer numbers. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of them, and they 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 take some wild swings, and a couple of them connect, but. They are, um, so far, they are really, really enjoyable. And I'm really curious as to what this watch is about. Mm-hmm. And as Clint says to Laura on the phone in the second episode, how high up this goes. Like, yeah. just like in the comics, they're low-level thugs. They're street thugs. Mm, yeah. But whether or not it is Wilson Fisk and whether or not we find out who it is, um, there is clearly, kind of to your point, uh, Kate Bishop's mom, mm-hmm. Armand, Jack Duquesne, uh, the tracksuit mafia, now Echo at the end of the second episode. Yeah. There, there's a bunch a of lot. criminals. There's a bunch of criminals running around, and it would be too many for six episodes, except for the fact that they have already clearly said the word head of organized crime, meaning mm-hmm. that probably everyone is circling around one or two characters that are pulling all the strings. And the tracksuit mafia is just like, they're like the level one villains in a video game. Right, right. The Joe Glass of the video games. Well, um, and Shannon, real quick, before you jump into what you thought about the tracksuit mafia, according to some of these uh, articles here, breaking down some of these uh, spoil or these uh, uh, Easter eggs, um, the label on the uh, watch says Avengers Compound Lot 268. Avengers 268 is where Kang the Conqueror showed up as well. So interesting connections here. Uh, and then the apartment that she goes to, her aunt's apartment is uh, uh, Brandon, is Moira Brandon, and that's someone whose compound was used later as the headquarters for West Coast Avengers. So we've got a white vision. We've got a Hawkeye. We've got ha- Jeremy Renner in interview saying he'd love to lead the West Coast Avengers. Talk to me about Tracksuit Mafia and then talk to me about all of this. Well, tracksuit mafia one hilarious. I think I think they're being used in exactly the perfect way. I think I, I've seen a little bit of criticism that they're a little too a little too light. Um, yeah, but I, too I actually cartoony. I agree with that actually. I yeah. actually think they're fun. I, okay. I especially liked uh, Pyotr Adamczyk who plays uh, uh, Tomas, who he's mm. the one who's just like you know you're you, you kid don't kid <laughs> when Clint, when Clint is tied up um, and along to the Easter eggs. And like, I think this was more just kind of a wink, wink to the audience inside yeah. the Bishop's house. There's a Van Gogh, which it's like, Oh, the guy who only had use of one ear in the Hawkeye show. Like, that's <laughs> right. Very nice. Bravo. Um, <laughs> in terms of the West coast Avengers. I mean, I, you know, I think, the way it was communicated to the audience way back when, which Comic-Con 18, 19, when, when yeah. the Disney Plus series were announced, that this was going to be Jeremy Renner's swan song. Like, this mm-hmm. was him passing the torch, and then he's going to be done. But right. I don't think I, I don't think he says the things he said in interviews um, without getting some sort of confirmation. I think, if he were, I think if he were done, I think Chris Evans was very clear, like, I'm out, oh, yeah. like, I'm, I'm done. And so, I mean, the idea that we could have a West coast Avengers that we could have a young Avenger. I mean, there's so much on the table right now. Um, but I would love to see, uh, you know, an elder elder statesman, Clint Barton taking on, taking on that leadership role of the West coast Avengers. Yeah. What do you yeah. Mean, and I, well, I, I had heard the thing about, uh, lot number two thirty six and how like that was the Kang episode, uh, Kang issue of the comics. Two sixty eight. Yeah. yeah. Two sixty eight. Sorry. Yeah. My bad. Uh, cool. that, 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 that is a Kang issue of the comics and look, Kang is clearly, in the Marvel universe yep. now, you know, yep. we're, we're there. I don't know that that's it. Uh, I, I, all the Wilson Fisk fans uh, who are going to be disappointed when he's not in it, like me, are like, is this Wilson Fisk's watch in some way? Is this something that Ronan took from him? And that's Ooh. why it was with Ronan's stuff. And that's the thing. I, I think maybe the more likely one, and again, this is maybe also a stretch, but, uh, you know, we've seen Tony Stark in Civil War have some really serious Iron Man tech in a watch. Yeah. And true. in Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, uh, you know, all the Tarks, all the Stark tech was in a pair of glasses. Pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. Right. And so knowing that Armor Wars is coming down the line in Disney Plus where there's probably going to be a lot of people fighting over all of that Iron Man Stark tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this a Tony Stark watch that somebody wants to get their hands on on the black market? You know, is that mm-hmm. is that what it is? So I think there's there's a, there's whatever it is is going to be really interesting. 
And that, this is also one of those things, and this is what Marvel does so well. Look, this show is about Kate Bishop and Hawkeye. This right. show is about Hawkeye getting that Ronin costume. This show is about clearing up his name, and there's a lot of organized crime, and we know Yelena Belova and him dealing with Natasha's death. The we need to get this watch might disappear until the post credit sequence of this entire series. Yeah. And we see it turn into some Stark tech and it leads to armor wars. So I don't know that the watch itself is like the most important thing for the six episode arc, but it's definitely something that is uh, important enough that we should keep an eye on it. Okay. Let's swing over to the LARP section. Let's talk about this once and for all. And we get Grills, who, of course, is completely different from the Mad Fraction run. He's, <laughs> that's an overweight older dude, and he does die. He is a neighbor of uh, Clint, but this is a this is a skinny black guy who is, a I think, a, either a cop or a, a firefighter. firefighter. Firefighter, sorry. Firefighter. And we see some a really cool interaction between them. And he, he doesn't, like, lie to Clint. He has, like, you got to do this. Those sequences, I mean, were just hilarious. Mm-hmm. Some of my friends, some of my friends who are LARPers uh, on uh, t- on Twitter were like, "That's the most well organized LARP you're ever going to see. This is bullcrap. This is the most unbelievable part of the first two episodes." <laughs> but I thought it worked really, really well, and I appreciated that. What did you guys think about that section and what we saw from Clint and like the whole, like the fact that he so deftly can, you know, kill everybody as he's trying to get to his or fake kill everybody as he's trying to get to that Ronin costume. What did you guys think about all of that? I mean, such a funny section. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the two the two actresses at the beginning, oh the one God. who stops in and the one who signs him in, like <laughs> they're not listed in the IMDb credits, right, so I don't right. I, I don't know their names. But they both <laughs> did such a great job, especially the one who stopped and was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, <laughs> most of the people here are off duty cops and firefighters, gonna get messy." And yeah. once he actually gets into the fight, um, you know, gener- sometimes. A, 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 an overzealous background performer can be very distracting. Yes. In this, they had some of the best background performers <laughs> that the city of New York had to offer. Uh, there's one guy whose who's, who's, uh, pretend guts have spilled out that he's sort oh of my in God, the foreground. Oh, so, so yeah. funny. And just like Grills, he's a firefighter, so you know he's not a wimp. And yeah. he's a big dude. Yeah. And the fact that he was so deferential to Hawkeye and like, look, look, I'll give you the suit. Just, you gotta, you gotta let me kill you. I mean, he's so, he's so almost embarrassed to make these requests of this guy who is a legit hero. And then you finally see them in that fight to the death. And he's kind of bouncing around like he's in the ring. It was just so, just so much fun. And the ease with which Clint is just kind of dodging smack, smack, smack. It was just, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, it almost mirrors how easily Duquesne parries away uh, Kate Bishop when yeah. the, the when it gets serious. But yeah, so Michael, what were you saying? Well, I mean, like e- echoing everything you just said, it was just a super funny sequence. Like mm-hmm. it was great, and his "I can't believe I have to do this" mixed with the ease <laughs> with which he takes everybody down is just sort of just a delight to watch. Yeah. But I think it also does get to look. Here is here's a bunch of people that are actually legitimately do put like they're policemen, they're firefighters, yeah, but they're yeah. all doing this thing where they're pretending to have this epic battle. Mm-hmm. And you think about like, I was watching it and he's watching it and you think about Hawkeye at the end of Endgame when he's in like, you know, the Avengers compound has just been decimated and those freaking Thanos creatures are chasing oh, yeah. him down the thing and he's running and shooting and whatever. And you're watching these people and you're like, yeah, they're playing at something that he's had to live. And when you live it, it's not that cool. Like, yeah. it's horrifying. And so, you know, you think about when you line that up with episode one had Rogers the musical, where, like I said, everyone is spinning in circles and doing jazz squares about saving New York City from the Chitari. And then you have a bunch of LARPers mm-hmm. who are having this, uh, you know, fun fight. And, oh, my guts. And, oh, did he drink the potion? And he's just like, are you guys kidding me? Like, what, what is going on? And I just feel like... We're just going to keep coming back to the idea of being a hero versus mm-hmm. the reality of being a hero. And I think that's really going to come to grips with, I think that given everything we're saying about Kate's mom, given yeah. everything we're saying about potentially Kate's dad, 
I think Kate Bishop has this clearly very idealized view. Even the speech that she gives Clint a little bit later in the episode about, mm -hmm. oh, well, you're the cynical one and people want this and want that. It's like, and he's like, I'm just, I don't, I'm not trying to sell anything. Like, I'm not trying to do anything. I think yeah. Kate still has this idea of what being a hero is that clearly a lot of people in the world share. Right. And I think we're going to have that come crashing down. And then Clint's going to have that moment with her where he's like, this is what it really is. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's, there, you know, for every Thanos was right thing he sees, there's uh, the Asian guy who is covering his meal yeah. for him and his family. There's Grills, who's so deferential and respectful. And even the woman who is stopping him at the LARP thing, she knows who he is, but she's like, there's a set of rules here. And when you go with a street level hero like, like Clint Barton, this is probably not the first time he's had to do some weird shit to get to something. And so him playing along with it really kind of adds more la layers and levels to the character work that Jeremy Renner is doing with Clint Barton in the series. I don't know if you guys thought of this, and I don't know if this is intentional or if it's just happenstance because it's different guys and girls like working on the shows. But like, mm. it is really interesting to me that Jeremy Renner as a Avenger gets to go to the Chinese restaurant and get his meal taken you know for free yeah but sam wilson goes and tries to get a loan Ooh, yeah and can't get shit and i was like clearly the two shows were making different comments about what yeah. life as a hero is like for a black man for a white man for whatever but it definitely did strike me as soon as that guy was like oh you saved you saved us you saved the city it's cool right. and i was like oh man sam don't 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 tell sam wilson you got a meal for free <laughs> Yeah, or that Ant-Man is in the uh, musical, for God's sakes. Even though oh, he wasn't my there. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> can, we take, can we take a couple minutes to talk about the musical? I saw some people pushing back going, it's a joke musical. Don't be asking for a real version of the musical. We all are in on the joke. It still would be fun to see a musical when we're all in on the joke about this stuff, I feel like. Yeah, I don't think the costume designer for Rogers the musical is going to be winning any Tonys. <laughs> um, but you know, like the Hulk outfit with the green. Oh green my gosh, <laughs> the the moment of smash, smash, smash! I mean, it reminded me so much of Schuler Hensley, who played uh, Frankenstein and Van Helsing, and also oh, played the yes. monster in uh, uh, oh, oh my gosh, the Gene, young young Frankenstein. Oh, Peter Boyle. Um, that yeah. moment was so ridiculous but so funny and yeah it was it's it just a blast yeah i mean mike uh, i will say is there a world where there is an amazing avengers musical yes <laughs> do i want to see an entire musical like that mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I love the song i love the song song's great i can do great. this all I mean, that's such a great, <laughs> what a way to use that line yet again in a new and inventive way. I mean, don't get me wrong. You, man. It's hilarious. <laughs> but, uh, but my reaction, if that were, if I really went to see that, I'm trying to think, I think that, well, I mean, I, I had, I had to sit through Spider-Man turn off the dark. I mean, I've, <sighs> I've had that face, that face that Hawkeye has when he's looking at the stage. That was me through most of Spider-Man. If not all of it, I was just like, <laughs> what is this? So well, I went back to rewatch it, Mike and Shannon, and the old lady is sitting behind them and she's like this. What is what is this? What is going on? <laughs> so there are people who are reacting to this appropriately to what they're watching for sure. So uh, I a, love it. Yeah, there's a great little great little moment as Kate is walking to her apartment after we've we've seen the little bit of Rogers and you get to see one of those uh, electronic billboards. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. One, one of the Rogers ads. And like, that's one of those things that you did not need to do that. I mean, right. but but the way that the producers populate the MCU with yeah. just little tiny bits of things. Like if anyone's been to New York, you know, you've seen those billboards right. on top of cabs, you know, on, you know, it's, it's yeah, just so well, well and done. Even when, um, <laughs> when they're in uh, Kate's aunt's apartment in the second episode yes. and the news story about Ronan, where he comes out and he's like, wow, you're news twice in 24 hours. That's really something. Then it cuts to a commercial of Rogers, the musical. So yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're, they do a really good job of like, this is the joke. And it's, a, and it's like, it's that it's the, it's the characters dressed up in times square. Like yes. this, this is, this is clearly a world where these guys are recognized. Like yeah. these are like, like, like what they have done and what they have accomplished, both 
the attack on New York, uh, everything that happened with Thanos, the blip, all of it. Like, this is a world where these characters are very widely recognized. Yeah. Are we loosening restrictions? Isn't, this, isn't Katniss Everdeen Hunger Games? Isn't that Warner Brothers? How is that showing up in this? Also, am I wrong on that? Isn't that Warner Brothers? And also, uh, we're referencing Batman and Superman in the Eternal. So it's just weird to me. Like, we're crossing over like it's not a big deal. Is there a hidden deal that's been struck between these studios that we don't know about that lets them mention each other's IP like it's no big deal? <laughs> I'm just saying this seems odd to me because this is not the way it was in the past. It it doesn't seem that odd to me, and I'm not sure what the exact rules are, but like it's not uh these are characters that exist in a universe. Like like yeah. I've seen people in movies that aren't Warner Brothers movies mention Harry Potter, uh, you know, oh I, that the new Harry Potter right, book, this right, and that. Right, like right. there's a world where like these characters do exist and like you can't reference a specific s- specific thing, but like Katniss Everdeen the Hunger Games is a book. It exists. Yeah. Like, it's in the universe. It's similar with the DC characters. Like, you can do it. I, it's funny because I do feel like Marvel has referenced DC characters in the past. Not to the degree that they did in Eternals. And clearly yeah. that Eternal stuff really just knocked a lot of people sideways. Yeah. Because people, wow, the hell did they? Alfred and <laughs> Superman? How did they do that? I was like, yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, well, of course it makes sense. But it just doesn't, it hasn't been done that way in the past. Maybe we're setting up 15 years from now, Justice League versus the Avengers down the road. It could be very interesting now that they exist. You know, hey, look, who saw who thought Werewolf by Night would be happening in 2008? But it's happening. Um, <laughs> so, all right. So let's uh, let's uh, Pizza the Dog. Anything to add? There wasn't that much of an introduction to Pizza the Dog, but it was similar to the Fraction Lu- Aja thing. Lucky. But, Lu- lucky. Lu- sorry, Lucky. Lucky the Pizza Dog. Sorry. What did I say? I'm sorry. I can't pizza, the pizza, pizza the Dog. Pizza the Dog. Pizza the Dog. He's the, <laughs> the Pizza Lu- Dog. Sorry. He's a low life. He's a low life criminal leader on Tatooine. <laughs> pizza the Dog. Underneath Pizza the Hut. Nice reference. <laughs> But we didn't get that much with Lucky, so are we gonna? I hope we get more over the next uh, few episodes because he's such a fun part of the Fraction run for sure. Well, he's got to yeah. he's got to get his name. Yeah, true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, no, I think we'll we'll see more. I mean, look, I don't think like in the Fraction run. I mean, he gets an entire issue of the comics. Yes, he I think does. Won, I think won an Eisner Award because it was so good. But like, so yeah. I don't think we're gonna get that much of him. But I do think we will get more of him. And I think people are already a little bit obsessed with him. Like he's do, do kind of adorable. Do you think we'll get the sequence, Mike? But not a whole episode, but maybe like five, ten minutes of the sequence where we see it through his eyes. Uh, what uh, the experience is that mirrors that epi- that uh, issue from that run. If they can pull it off, it would be great. Yeah. Uh, you know, he does, like, he goes after that tracksuit mafia. Oh, yeah, he beginning. does. Like, he come, like, like, it's not just a random, this is a random dog. Like, it seemed personal. Yeah. Like, it seemed, like, personal. And so, if they can figure out a way to pull it off where we get some kind of, like, lucky flashback where we see from his, you know, like, something like that that, like, maybe fills in some important gaps for us. Yeah. Uh if they can do it, I I would I would applaud them. I'm I'm not. That's probably something I'm not expecting. But if I get it, I'll be really really thrilled. Yeah, because in the fraction run, he gets thrown into traffic by the tracksuit oh, yeah. mafia. So if they're gonna flashback that and play it out, that would make sense. Why he why how angry he was at the tracksuit mafia? Okay, let's wrap up by talking about Echo. It's uh, she's presented right at the end of episode two. Everything going kind of you know red, and she's feeling the pulse of the music. All of that. Uh, it's time. You know, what did you guys think about the introduction of her as we're going into these next episodes for the series? Uh, it was, I mean, it was great. I mean, because mm-hmm. thus far with the tracksuit mafia, with some of the stakes, I mean, they, they're a little, they're a little, a little light. Um, yeah. They're a little, they're a little fun. They're a little comic. I mean, I think you, you have, you have that, that uh, red, that red lighting coupled with that deep sort of foreboding base yeah. and the the ease with which she sort of dismissed the one tracksuit mafia guy we're now starting to see how serious this situation is that yeah. kate bishop has gotten her and clint in right right and you know clint getting in there getting himself using the black widow technique to let himself get captured so he can find out what's going on here what did you think about her uh, her introduction michael yeah, I thought it was really, really great. And kind of to Shannon's point, I mean, mm-hmm. to people who felt like the track mafia, the tracksuit mafia were a little bit too comedic, like I think that that's by design. Like we're mm-hmm. having like a, 
again, Kate Bishop is still in this, hey, isn't it fun to be a superhero? I, I, right. I went up against the tracksuit mafia and I didn't do great, but I held my own and they're nobodies. Mm-hmm. They're easy. I mean, yeah. even Laura and Clint are like, oh, those idiots. <laughs> like they're not supposed to be threatening um, if you're a Clint Barton or if you're an Avenger, but right. Echo is going to be more threatening oh, yeah. and she's not the top of the food chain. Right. And I think that's what we're going to see is that it keeps going more and more. I think she's really interesting. Like I love, um, you know, m- Hawkeye was deaf, got, was, was, uh, had his, had his arrow stuck in his ears in the Matt Fraction comic, which is why he lost his hearing. Right. Um, this is, and, and Echo already existed prior to that, like mm-hmm. in the Daredevil comics as a deaf hero. So I think it's really interesting that they are introducing this idea of Hawkeye losing his hearing yeah. and introducing a deaf character like Echo at the same time. Yeah. And the fact that there's going to be some parallels uh, to that in the way that they fight with each other, in the way that they interact with each other, in the way that they fight with each other potentially. So mm-hmm. I think that introducing that idea about Hawkeye and introducing her at the same time, and clearly whatever she does in the in this arc impressed them enough that they went ahead and announced that she's getting her own Disney Plus series. Yeah, so yeah. I think that, uh, you know, in again, in my, I will just live in my Mephisto fantasy for the next five weeks. <laughs> if you're going to do an entire series around Four Echo. Weeks. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to do an entire series around Echo and you're going to delve into how she became this character, where she became, mm-hmm. how she became the, the head of the running the tracksuit mafia, if you're bringing in uh, Vincent D'Onofrio for this, maybe you bring him in for that too. Maybe uh, yeah. maybe we're just getting at the beginning of how much we're going to get a little bit of Kingpin. That's my Those are my hopes and dreams. Right on. Uh, my, uh, Shannon, any final words? And what do you think is coming next in the next four episodes? Well, um, that clip that we saw that was released leading up to oh, yeah. the, the first two episodes dropping, that clip of that car chase... Um, I'm, it seems like the the action is about to level yeah. up considerably because mm-hmm. the camera work in that sequence, that little brief sequence that we saw, was awesome. Yeah. So despite the fact that the action, the way it was filmed in the first two episodes, kind of left me wanting, except for the attack on Kate's apartment. Um, I, I think my uh, I think my uh, uh, fears are about to be uh, extinguished based <laughs> off of that. Okay. Uh, Michael, anything you want to speculate on might be coming? Yeah, well, it does. And it all, well, it also seems like that, from a story standpoint, it seems like that chase feels like it's coming up next episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's a that's that's hopefully a pretty safe bet. And then, yeah, I mean, kind of like what we've all echoed. And I'm not I'm not saying this as a concern. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I'm like it's exciting. Like with four episodes left, there's a lot of story to cover. Whether yeah. whether I get my kingpin or not, there is a lot of story to cover. Uh, and a lot of secrets to be revealed, and I don't think it's too much. I think they're gonna. I think there's the right amount of room to do it. Yeah. But uh, but I think it's gonna be really interesting to see where this goes because like 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 we've all been saying, like anyone who's read the Matt Fraction comic really really loves it and is excited to see the pieces of it that we're seeing. But the basic setup of this story is already so different mm-hmm. that it's kind of anybody's guess where it's gonna go. Excited. Yeah, I agree with both of you. Absolutely just excited to see what we're going to get. Love that they've laid the pieces out here in the first two episodes. Some people were complaining, oh, it's a little too slow. Yeah, well, because they've got to lay out a whole new world that you've never seen before on the ground level. And so it, I like that they took their time laying this all out. I know concretely who everybody is or might be. So I'm, I'm excited to see what the next four episodes are going to bring. If we get Kingpin, great. If we don't, I'm cool with it, too. I'm not, it's not Tommy McGuire, Andrew Garfield level for me. If we don't oh. get him, I'm okay with it. You know, <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, just like, just like with Mephisto, I will be totally fine if I'm wrong. Right. Um, and probably I am, but it, it would be nice to see. Uh, the only, the only other thing I wanted to add was, uh, the, the, one of the little, this is a very little element to the whole thing, but I thought mm-hmm. it was really nice is that, uh, Laura knows all about Ronan. Yes. I thought that that was actually a really his, his kids clearly Clint's kids clearly don't know. They have no like idea. When Clint's when Clint's kids saw the news, they were like, "Oh, Ninja saved a dog." Right. But when Laura gets on the phone, she's like, "How's the problematic outfit?" Mm-hmm. And then just even knowing about the tracksuit mafia, it means that although this is a this is a thing that Clint did in those five years during the blip that he's not proud of, right? Uh, that he feels a, a lot of feelings about. Um, this is not something he kept from Laura. And I think those two, 
just continue to be relationship goals for me. I am like, you know what? <laughs> this this is a great. I love this. It's one of the. It's one of those additions. You know, Age of Ultron has definitely its share of problems, and I know that even the addition of this thing was like a fight between Joss Whedon and uh, and Kevin Feige and Marvel, and that Joss Whedon really wanted it to be included. And even though Joss Whedon is uh, not on anybody's top ten list these days, uh, I am glad that this is an element that made it into the MCU because I think it's really worked out well yes. for Hawkeye and rounding out his character. Yes, better than the Black Widow Hulk storyline that was presented there as well. Yes, <laughs> much better than that. All right, well, that's our spoiler review here for the first two episodes of Hawkeye. As we said, we're going to go back to a regular format of doing it, but certain things got in the way, so we hope you um, are okay with that and you've indulged us for a little bit to watch it this way, but we'll be back doing our regular thing for sure, spoiler-wise, with each one of these episodes as it wraps over. the. And I think it crosses past the release of Spider-Man No Way Home. So do we see if Charlie Cox is in Spider-Man No Way Home? Do we get a Charlie Cox sighting? If we're talking about a Kingpin sighting, that could be interesting as well. Basically, I'm just throwing everything in there. You just never know. A lot of thoughts in my head. Um, all right. Uh, all right. So let's uh, let's wrap it up there. Thank you all so much. And uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies, on Instagram at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, well, and if you like all the things that we are doing here and you want to see us do more discussions on Hawkeye, more discussions on more Marvel Universe, and maybe we'll even do our own reading of Rogers the Musical, <laughs> who knows? Uh, you got to stay tuned to find out. And we got to keep doing this. And here's how you can help us. You can uh, subscribe to uh, John's Outlaw Nation page. You can hit the like button below. Uh, definitely some comments below. Let us know what you thought. Is there anything that we missed? Is there anything that you want to hear us talk more about? Uh, let us know in the comments. We'll definitely check that out. If you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are available, definitely leave us some stars. Leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video repost it on your socials and let everybody know that they should come hang out with the geek buddies and talk some geeky things absolutely uh and thank you to the two gentlemen for joining me uh for this review here we're on the geek buddies and thank you uh, definitely to carbon health our sponsor for the geek buddies for the next couple of months here and on the outlaw nation again carbon health is a leading national healthcare provider with a mission to bring high quality health care to everyone urgent care primary care virtual care that is all available to you they believe everyone deserves good health. So go to carbonhealth.com and see if they've got a center near you so that you can get checked out. You can get everything you need to get done for yourself so you can start moving forward towards a healthy lifestyle as well. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We will talk to you next time with a, another brand new spoiler review episode or regular episode here from the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.